Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, friends, and welcome back. Happy Wednesday. Woo! Wellbeing Wednesday. It's <laughs> midweek. I don't know about you, but I found last week that the days were kind of blurring together and um, which is kind of the first time I've had that. And I think I had been, I'd been getting up, I'd been doing my yoga and sticking to that. But then I'd basically been hanging out in my yoga stuff all day and working. And it's, it's funny how much of an impact that had. And listening back to this episode that you're going to hear today, this conversation I have with Jen, when we're talking about routines, it really struck me actually that <laughs> I, um, as much as I used to be a night owl and and all of that, actually the days where I have got up by probably seven at the latest and done my yoga and and had more time and really been able to settle into the day, they feel more productive, more calm and happier and just generally better than the ones where I've maybe had a lie in till eight o'clock or later. And it really like upsets my routine. And, and so it's something that when we were talking about routines, it really struck me actually that one, how different I feel and how I can kind of lose focus, lose calm, lose track when I'm not making that time and that commitment to myself to stick to my routine, but also kind of how much I've changed, um, that we, we're, we kind of cliche, we're on this journey through life, um, but we're not static, we're not kind of fixed we're constantly adapting and changing and and um I've waffled on um, about him a lot recently I'm still reading Full Catastrophe Living by John Kabat-Zinn it's great but it's long um, but that life is just a series of moments like this moment is the only moment that is and so we we are constantly kind of changing and and adapting and and I guess the the routines, the structure that maybe worked for me before, actually, as my values are changing, as I'm changing, as what I'm working towards is changing, that routine changes as well. Um, and I think it comes back to that self awareness of being able to tune into yourself, kind of checking in, and and kind of seeing what what you need, what what your body, your mind, your heart, your soul, whatever is asking for, and and kind of listening to that and, and trusting that. So that's a, a random thought that I'll share with you um, before we get into this conversation. Uh, I want to say thanks again to Ellie who joined us on Monday and shared her story. And talking of stories, that's something, this idea of narratives that Jen and I talked about in this episode, because Jen is a prolific podcaster and loves narratives, loves people joining her and sharing their stories. And so we talk a bit about the power of those stories Um and so I wanted to thank Ellie again for coming and sharing her story um, because I think it was a really powerful story to dive into. And thank you to Jen, obviously, who's joining us in this episode but for sharing her story. And it's one of the things I love about this show, hearing all of those different stories, different experiences, different perspectives. Um, and I guess reflecting something I do as I uh, have the conversation, as I listen back when I'm editing to reflect on on what I've heard kind of make sense of it for myself or consider other perspectives um it's something that I I find really valuable so I really hope you enjoy this episode um I will just say now there's a bit of like a tongue-tied moment in that in the middle one of the things um that Jen is um passionate about I think passionate about um I feel like passion is something you know I don't want to put words into someone's mouths about what someone's passion is or not but uh so uh one of the areas that Jen is working in and one of the things that we talked about was women of color people of color so WOC POC and I get a bit tongue-tied because 
in the UK, POC, WC is, is I think, US kind of language. And, and so I had a bit of a, oh, what, is the, <laughs> what is the term? Um, you know, we, we have BAME um, is, is a kind of UK term. So that's that. I just kind of wanted to mention that because I think uh, it's something we, we've kind of talked about before um, on the show, but that this is an inclusive space. We want to be inclusive of, of everyone, whatever, whoever, whatever. Um, and and it to feel like a, a safe space. And so sometimes I will trip over my words. Um, sometimes I may say the wrong thing. And um, and I think one of the things that we, we try and do is to reflect on that, that if we have said something that, that came out wrong or something that actually on reflection was problematic, that acknowledging that um, and that that can be group collective learning or something like that so this this was just kind of tripping over language but just to make that point I guess that as a part of a wider point on reflection (laughs) and and, uh yeah reflecting on on our beliefs on us our own stories on our language um all of those things um I'm recording this off the back of some training um (laughs) so I'm all about reflective stuff so I'm gonna stop talking now because otherwise I would just waffle on forever um and hand over to this conversation with Jen so I really really hope that you enjoy this and I'll be back quickly at the end hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest Jen to the podcast so Jen welcome and if you could tell us a little bit about yourself yeah, Hannah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, as you mentioned, my name is Jen Amos, and I am based in America over here, currently in the East Coast, Virginia Beach, Virginia specifically. And a little background on me, I am what Americans call a POC, which stands for person of color, um, or to be more specific, WOC, which is considered woman of color. And uh, let's see, my a little background on me, my parents, my dad actually joined the military, the U.S. military from the Philippines, where him and my mom were from. And I was born in Japan on the military base there. And so I was raised as American. And about 10 years in, I had unfortunately lost my dad while he was on active duty. So uh, my family is considered a gold star family, which means that you lost a family member while they were on active duty in the military. And so uh, fast forward to today, that has obviously impacted me in a lot of da- in a lot of ways uh, abandonment issues uh, not lack of trust in men <laughs> you know hyper independence uh, but fortunately I, I, I have gotten to a place really in the last handful of years to uh, get a lot of help uh, in, in working through those traumas at quite a young age and if you're asking about my life professionally right now I uh, I do a lot of fun things I like to say I uh, I'm, a, I'm a big podcaster nowadays uh, just like you Hannah I run a couple shows and I'm really big on promoting personal narratives because I feel like that's where people can learn the most about themselves is through other people's stories. Uh, And uh, my daytime job, I like to say, is that I uh, work in financial services with my husband and we focus specifically on military families, uh, particularly those who've been in it for a long time. We call those career military and we help them with their transition when they enter civilian life. And not just um, their, not just manage their finances, but really uh, helping them align their finances with their new purpose in in the civilian life. Because it's different to go from one, like like going from one corporate job to another, is not the same as. Uh, leaving the military and entering the corporate world. It's completely different in a million ways. And so we, you know, with my background as a military child and uh, Gold Star daughter and my husband as a uh, veteran, um, we, you know, uh, combine <laughs> our powers and our expertise and background and try to do some good work out there for the military community. And the last thing that I'll share is that, um, you know, my my ethnicity specifically is Filipino-American. As I mentioned, my dad and my mom are from the Philippines. And uh, really in the recent years, I started a project called the Filipino-American Woman Project or TIFA Project. Uh, Tifa Project for short. And it's really a space where I uh, talk to other Filipino American women like me to share their personal narratives. So that's a little background on me. 
Um, thanks for having me, Hannah. Awesome. Yeah, it's super happy to have you here. And there's, I mean, so much you've already shared. <laughs> my brain's like, ooh, ooh, talk about it. <laughs> um, and um, I guess the first thing, because um, I sort of, uh, you know, read uh, your information before, like my little bit of prep, and I yeah. saw the gold star daughter, and I was like, I have no idea what that means. So yeah. thank you for explaining that, because that's not something I don't think that we have in the UK. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it sounds like you're doing amazing work with veterans and I um my grandfather was in uh, was in the RAF so our air force uh, and I grew up in a naval town so I've had oh, lots so of friends Navy in... baby <laughs> yeah kind of um I, I nearly joined actually um at one wow. point I used to work on the on the naval base um so kind of evolved but, but never actually in but I do know from uh, people I know that that transition can be mm. particularly difficult because it's like a whole culture to yeah. itself oh, uh, being in the military yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, you, you have the fortune of always at least trusting a higher power or the government to tell you where to go and what to do. So there is like a sense of security in that, like even, you know, whether people like it or not, especially when they're told to, uh, um, to change their uh, permanent address or, you know, move to a different station, we call it PCSing. Um, you know, even though that could be hard and stressful, at least, at least there's some direction. It's like, once you get there, you, you know, at least the service member has orders wherein, of course, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, challenges around that, especially if, um, let's say, let's say a traditional military family is where you have one service member, you want one person in the service, and then you have a spouse with kids. And unfortunately, a lot of times military spouses struggle with employment because they move around so much and they really have to be the matriarch of the family. They have to be the ones to set the, the new foundation whenever they move. Um, they have to you know, establish that new normal with the kids. And a lot of times their own ambitions and their own dreams and professional goals get put in the back burner. And so there's, there's a lot of unfortunate uh, sacrifices that come to that come with being in the, the military that when you're finally out you have a choice to do what you want to do and you're like you're like what does that look like a lot of people at a young age especially when you go to college you're told figure out what you want to do like find find that niche find that thing you want to do where in the military it's like once you're out it's like I don't know what I want to do. I've been told what to do for a long time, especially if you and your family have been in it for so long. And so, um, you know, and as, as a gold star daughter, I, I feel like it is my responsibility to tell that narrative and even uh, create awareness of what a gold star family need, uh, what a gold star family is, because um, that's the most tragic part, I think, of being in service is when you lose some, like a loved one um, while they're on active duty. So, so yeah. Yeah, awesome. And um, yeah, I was very excited when you said about narratives, because I absolutely agree. And I guess that's the kind of premise of this show that people come in, come in, come on. And, uh, they, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we kind of in, in my house. Yeah, um, in, on, whatever you call it. <laughs> yeah, um, but people share their, their stories mm-hmm. and their perspectives on life. And, and I find it super interesting. And particularly, there'll be some people that you're like, yes, I agree with everything. And some people, there'll be some things you go, oh, that's different to how I see things. And I just think it's such an amazing way of being able to reflect on your own views on stuff or to broaden uh, your awareness of of kind of what's going on in the world. And I already, I've learned stuff uh, already from this conversation. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Yeah, and I think like the important thing about sharing your personal narrative is that it builds bridges between people. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you look like on the surface. It's like the moment you start sharing your story, someone's like, oh, I didn't realize that. Like, this is just a, a little side note. I, I uh, and I'm like so late on this, um, but I watched Black Panther for the first time because uh, recently because the main actor had passed away, unfortunately. And um, you know, I should have watched that a long time ago, but anyway, so I was watching it and it's interesting because it's like, I don't have like African descent at all. And yet I so resonated with the story that they were trying to tell of like what it's like to be, um, uh, be away from the motherland and to be raised in a completely different culture. Cause it's like, even though I was raised American, I am of Filipino descent, but I don't have the same Filipino, uh, Filipino-ness, you know, as my, my parents had. And so I understand that conflict, especially for one of the characters in the movie who was raised in a different country other than the motherland, Africa. And his goal was really to kind of go back to that place and, 
in a way, I'm not spoiling anything, but essentially kind of rediscover his roots or go back to his roots that he feel like he, he felt like it was ripped away from. And, and even though it's a, of a different ethnic background, it's like, I can so resonate with that. So that, that is an example of the power of storytelling is it could really create that bridge, you know, between anyone. So. Yeah. I mean, that's such an amazing film. I saw it like three or four <laughs> times in the cinema. <laughs> Um, love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a, a massive Marvel geek anyway. Love it. I think that, and that is one of my, one of my favorite Marvel films. And I think when it, when it, when they started talking about it and making the film, people were like, Oh, well, I don't know how that's going to go down with particularly right. white audiences because yeah. oh, they won't relate to it. Yeah. I loved it. Like I want to be a Dora Milaje so that like, for anyone who doesn't know what I'm on about, the guards. Um, yeah. Oh. Dano Guerrero's character, Okoye, <laughs> she is amazing. And so I love her. Even though, you know, I, I was born in the UK, I was raised in the UK. And, and so a lot of the narratives aren't, you know, aren't similar to mine, but I still really loved the film and kind of connected with it and took my own thing about being a kick-ass woman. And yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's, that's what's so amazing about it. There are so many narratives in there. You've got these really strong, rounded characters. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. One thing that I like about Denia Guerrero's character, which I absolutely love her in The Walking Dead, by the way. Um, oh my God, I'm so obsessed with her. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, what I love about the character that she portrayed and, and the other women, uh, female soldiers, is that, you know, they were strong. And, and someone said this in an interview, because after, after everything I love, like every kind of medium or movie that I enjoy, I usually watch the interviews and stuff afterwards. That's just kind of my thing. But um, one of the actresses was saying that what I love the most about um, what was the actress? Anyway, someone said that what I love the most about the women in this film is that they weren't strong because they were angry. They weren't strong because they had to be. They were strong because they were strong, you know, and I and I love that. And I feel that I feel like as women, um, a lot of times uh, it feels like an uphill battle for us. It feels like we have to prove ourselves where in this space in Black Panther, it just felt like they could just be like they were just strong just because they were strong. There was no backstory, no other reason than the fact yeah. that they were just allowed to be strong. And there was so much equality between the male and female characters when they're fighting. Yeah. It's not like, oh, well, <laughs> well yeah, they're obviously yeah. going to be empowered. And um, when um, Mbaku, so uh, Winston Duke's character, when they come out to fight and they're the men and women fighting, mm. you know, side by side, it's, um, yeah, it, there was none like, like you said, if that all oh, they're strong because of this or they're strong yeah. for a woman or any of that, it's just, they're strong period. That's right. They're just strong period. Yeah. You know, even in, even in the military today, it is still fairly taboo. Although there are more women in the military or at least in the U S military, it is still taboo to like have them around. You know, I remember I heard this argument from a veteran. He said like women shouldn't be in, in the combat field because if they're in danger, men have this have this instinct to want to protect her and that could affect you know that could impact the plan that could hurt the plan i don't know if that's true i don't know if that's sexist but I, in a way i guess i could sort of get that you know i'm not saying it's right i'm not saying it's wrong but it is an interesting it's an interesting uh commentary or perspective on how people still perceive women today mm -hmm. um so to see that in black panther where it wasn't even a discussion they were just there they were just fighting it was like mm, love it yeah. <laughs> On your point about how women are viewed on the front line, um, you know, I, I think there's maybe that assumption that suddenly it's a dangerous situation and the woman's going to kind of fall apart and need rescuing. But also, there's also this idea that we're more nurturing. And mm. so you could have women who suddenly if someone else is injured, they that distracts them, that they want to right. take care of everyone because... Mm -hmm. yeah I think that oh I mean we could talk for ages about oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's an interesting and... discussion to have yeah absolutely yeah. but one thing I think what we're trying to say with Black Panther is like hey that is so cool like that's so cool how there's no discussion there's no like hey you're a woman you need to stay home we need to protect I mean yeah they protected the queen they told the queen to like you know hang out somewhere else while everything was going on but that was like the only thing I noticed where mm -hmm. it felt like a woman had to be protected where everyone else they were like it's cool. We'll fight, and, you know? And I think that's maybe more understandable because she's not a warrior in the way that other yeah. people are. And obviously if you've got someone who's destroying the whole old regime, then the queen is an obvious, an mm -hmm. obvious target. So that makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah, for but, sure. Yeah. We could talk about Black Panther forever. <laughs> we, we could. And it's, and it's really interesting. I, I said before we came on that we'll kind of go wherever we go and we've already kind of gone 
completely unexpected places which yeah. is amazing I love um, it yeah but I, I'd love to bring us back to um to podcasting and how you got mm-hmm. into podcasting and obviously I love podcasting um, yeah yeah so how did you get started what attracted you to it sure uh, I'm happy to talk about that well I wish I mean not I wish um if I knew how easy it was to get started in podcasting, I would have started years ago. I think I had intimidated myself. I just heard something about like, what's web hosting? Like what kind of microphone do I need? And uh, last year was summer 2019. It was about my first year out here in the East Coast in America. So I lived in the West Coast in California specifically for about 20 years. So this was like after I had lost my dad and, and California was like my home for like a long time. And it, it was my sense of stability, my sense of familiarity. And when we moved out here to the East Coast, we moved out here for work uh, with my husband and because uh, we had colleagues out here and it made sense to uh, get closer to them. But I really struggled with loneliness and I've had, I've already had mild depression since, since I was a kid, like since I lost my dad. Um, but I, I remember when I moved out here, I felt like I was starting over. I, I had, I, I was 30, I'm 32 now. And I, I felt like at this point in my life, I should have had my life figured out. I should have been established, but I was essentially starting over. I, um, I basically closed shop with my business back at home, uh, to work with my husband and, because I, because we were starting really from the bottom still, like I was dependent on him, um, which is very uncomfortable for me to be financially dependent on a man. <laughs> Cause a lot of my young twenties, my adult life, I was very independent. I'll go into debt to be independent. Like that's how independent I was. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but anyway, um, we moved, uh, what is at that point? I think that was the third time we moved and we, fortunately we've been in Virginia beach for a year and a half now, but I remember, uh, last year, I convinced myself that in order for me to have a sense of community and a sense of a social life, I needed to, I need to do something online. And there is this book that I've read, which is really powerful for people who are trying to better understand their depression. It's called Upward Spiral by Alex Korb. And um, it's a good audible read uh, or audible listen. Um, but this book really gave me the tools to understand that, yeah, depression may never go away, but there are natural ways to work through it. And one of the number one things that actually the main thing I got from that book was to uh, have a sense of community because it's very easy to isolate yourself. Anyway, that's how podcasting happened. I, uh, by accident, I found an easy way to get started. And it was funny, Hannah, because when I got started, like I went all out, like, I think I created like five podcast shows and then like three of them like failed. I was like, I can't work on those. (laughs) Like I was trying to come up with all these ideas because of how easy it was to get it out there. Uh, and anyway, fast forward to today, I, um, what is it? I host, um, I host a number of shows. I'm trying to think of like how many, I'm just going to say a number of shows. And I produce one for my husband. And, uh, one, one of the main things I found in this experience is that I have a love for hearing people's personal narratives. Cause I think that's what I was looking for last year. I was looking for connection with people. And part of that is knowing their story and in, in their story and many of the stories I've had the fortune of listening in on, uh, so far, I, it made me feel validated. It made me feel seen. It made me feel like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one who struggles with this. Um, and, and, and if anything, like some stories made me think, oh, I, I should be more grateful <laughs> for, for the life that I have, um, or make me think, oh, I can, I can, I can really raise the bar for myself. It's possible for me. So, so yeah, I've been doing that for over a year and a half now. And uh, that's pretty much how it got started was out of that desire to feel connected and to have a sense of community that I can take with me wherever I go. And I'm so glad I did it then because given, given current times at the time of this recording, it is really difficult to build relationships locally. So I'm, I'm glad that I already laid out that foundation for me to have a social life online. <laughs> Yeah. And I I found with podcasting and I'm just coming up to a year of doing it, that there's been lots of people that I've connected with that we've had a really nice conversation. And then there's been some kind of continued connection, uh, if that makes sense. Some that is just a really nice conversation and that's, that's kind of it. And then a couple that I would kind of class as friends now that we sort of have a catch up and it's, uh, which is, which is lovely. And, um, and so much of what you just said, I really resonated with and actually, I was going to say snap when you said 32, but I just had my birthday. So. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But I think that idea of having your life together that so many of us have, and I completely relate to that because I've had my own journey with depression and, and I feel that, I mean, I've still probably got loads of issues to unpick around this. <laughs> that, yeah, we um, all do. It's a life of yeah. problems, isn't it? Unpacking yeah. your problems. <laughs> yeah. But that kind of frustration, that sort of, oh, well, if I hadn't had that depression, maybe I would be further towards wherever I want to get to or that, mm. that kind of thing. And I wonder, you know, if it's not too personal a question, if that's kind of, if you feel that your depression is like a big part of that feeling, or if you think it's just how life is now that we have that feeling of, oh my God, I need to have everything together. And I, yeah. So you're asking me, um, is, does depression sort of feel like a, a disability that I have to, if I say like, oh, if I didn't have depression, I would be somewhere else versus maybe, um, or something that's held you back. I guess. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good question. And honestly, so I was actually diagnosed with mild depression last year and uh, it was funny. I was like in complete denial of it. I was like, no, nah, no, I don't. You know, like after I was diagnosed, they're like, you know, get some prescription from the pharmacy. And I didn't pick it up. I, I did not. I was like, I refuse to because I felt like I knew too much about like antidepressants and how bad they are for you. And that's part of why I got the book Upward Spiral. I was like, no, I'm going to I'm going to study this. I'm going to figure this out. It was only when I started uh, taking CBD oil because it's we have like medicinal um, medicinal weed here now. I mean, in certain places in in America, that I realized I did have mild depression, and this is how I knew. So I remember the first time I took some, which you know, it's like all natural, it's medicinal and everything. I felt like I just felt happy. It was it was really it's hard to explain. I mean, actually, let me try to explain it. So when you have mild depression, mild depression is not like the, it, it's not, it's in between minimal depression and like extreme depression. It's not clinical depression, but it's a kind of depression where it feels like you have this kind of gloom over you all the time. Like that's just how it feels like. And, and when you, when you kind of settle, you know, when you settle at the end of the day, you just, you're just naturally sad. And so that's what, um, mild depression has been for me is like at the end of the day, I'm just sad and, and I'm, I don't have a specific reason. I just am. And sometimes I will go out of my way to really try to unpack like what's making me sad up until the point that I cry. Like I try to find, like, I try to piece back and go back in my history. And when I find like that thing, that traumatic moment or whatever, I start crying and then I can move on with my life. You know? So I used to do that a lot. And, and I realized I'd been doing that since I was 10, like since I lost my dad. And so um, so to answer your question, like, do I feel like it held me back? Um, looking back, in a way, I say, yeah, you know, I, because had I known, um, had I known sooner, because today, nowadays, when I feel it, I say, oh, there you are, you know, oh, that, there's that cloud, you know, like, there's that cloud. Thank you for being here. You can, you can evaporate now, you know, it's like, now I can call it for what it is. And I don't have to project it onto people. I don't have to see like, oh, you make me sad because I'm always around you. No, you know, I don't do that anymore. Now it's like, oh, I'm feeling this way. I have to use my coping mechanisms to work through it, whether it's journaling, whether it's just straight up telling someone, I'm just feeling sad right now. And it's not your fault. I just am. And so had I had those tools sooner, I think I think I would have gotten a lot more accomplished. At the same time, I don't have any regrets, obviously. I mean, I am where I am for a reason. And I, uh, if anything, I just feel more compelled to um, spreading that message and being, even though I'm not licensed, or, a lot of my friends, especially on my podcast shows, they call me the unofficial therapist because of the way I talk to them. And I just, I, I like to say like, I'm just a big mental health advocate. I'm really big on it. it it's not, it's, it's not as expensive as you think. Um, there, there, it's not, you don't just have to go to therapy. You know, like I said, I keep going back to that book, Upward Spiral. That's a great way to get started. If you have depression on how to work through it before you feel like you need, um, professional, uh, services or professional prescriptions or what, what have you. So anyway, that's, um, to answer your question, I, I think, I think my life would have been a little more productive <laughs> had I had mm. the tools and, and, and known sooner at least, but I don't regret having it. I know why I have it. I just wish I had the tools to work, to work with it. Yeah. And I guess that's one of the things that that's good now that there are more conversations around it and raising that awareness so that hopefully people can kind of recognize it. And like you, we've been saying that kind of power of narratives mm -hmm. and that's how I figured out that I had depression. I sort of heard yeah. looking at it. I was like, Oh, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> um, I get that. Yeah. I was almost in tears in this like mental health awareness training. I was like, oh my God, they're talking about me. Um, but I'm <laughs> definitely going to check out the book. Um, but I wonder whether it's uh, like you said that you were uh, sort of in denial with, uh, with that diagnosis. And 
do you think that is just how people are when, when they hear it they're like oh no 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 I don't have mental health do you think and I know we sort of uh, spoke briefly before coming on about that there's maybe still some shame um, around mental health uh, for is it WOC I want to say the the full term rather yeah. than the short term because it's I not know. a UK term so like, <laughs> you um, can say women of color that's women okay of color. yeah <laughs> I'm yeah. just like oh what is what's the, the yeah so um we rephrase my question because now I've just mumbled on a bit um, yes but yeah, we sort of touched on beforehand about that, that maybe there's still some shame for, for women of colour around mental health. So um, do you think that's that's something that's improving? Do you think it's still still an yeah. issue? I think to, to answer your question, um, I feel like it's difficult for, yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think there's a lot of discussion around mental health, but there's also not enough discussion. And um, I think to myself, like, why was I in denial? And I think it's because it goes back to me wanting to prove my independence, wanting to prove that I could do it on my own. And for a lot of uh, women of color, or really women in general, I feel like we feel like we have a lot to prove. You know, it, go, it goes back to the whole Black Panther like narrative and, and Denai Guerrero of like, there's really not a culture yet that I'm aware of, at least in today's times, where a woman can just be a woman. You know, she could just own it where a lot of us, it's very much still about proving ourselves and saying like, oh, we can do as much as a man can, you know? And so I think the reason why I was in denial was like, I was like, no, I should have known this a long time ago. <laughs> I, I mean, in a way I did. I, I remember I like sort of self-diagnosed myself by like reading and like taking these online tests that probably are totally not reliable. So that's why I didn't believe it when they diagnosed me. I, I was kind of like, I was like, did I like, did I manifest this for myself? Did I like diagnose myself so much to the point that my doctor is actually telling me, like, did I set this up for myself? You know? And, um, but honestly, when I did, when I did like get that diagnosis and I started to look into it more and read the symptoms and I reflected on my life, I was like, oh wow, like I've had this for a very long time and I, I never knew how to deal with it. And yeah, it, it definitely started, I feel like I went through like the five stages of grief. Like I was in denial, I was angry. <laughs> um, I felt like I was bargaining with myself. I was like, no, 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 I can, I, can I can work out of it, you know? And eventually I got to a place of acceptance and realizing like, oh, it's a part of me. And I think, like I mentioned, I think that a lot of um, women, um, uh, do go through that. I'm, I'm not saying all of them, obviously. I'm not an expert on it, but I, I think maybe part of it is because that need to be independent or feel like you can do it all. That when you're when you're told that you have something like that, that's not physical. It's like no, that that does not <laughs> that does not exist. That's not real. Yeah, and I think there's still, um, and I think depression, anxiety are ones that we have much more understanding around as a society, and we, and we talk about a lot more. But I think, yeah, when it's uh, for yourself, we, we don't want to admit that there is anything wrong in our life. <laughs> no, and, no, I got this figured out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, but, you know, I, I love when you, when you said about that, um, now you can kind of recognize the cloud and say, oh, thank you, but no thanks. And I think that's, yeah. that's a great way to sort of, um, to deal with that, I guess, that sort of not denying it anymore that it's there, but not right. kind of being too attached to it and just being able to kind of go, okay, that's there, but I don't need to get too kind of stuck in it. Cause I think that's something that can happen as well, that we can get kind of too attached to, okay, I've got depression. So yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing I want to add upon that too, Hannah is like, it's important, like no one's going to understand your depression as much as you do. And I think that, you know, with my loved ones, when I would express it, especially with my husband, for example, he felt like he needed to fix it or he felt like he didn't, he didn't know how to deal with it. He didn't have the tools to be there for me. He didn't have the tools to say like, is that coming from your depression? I mean, even till now, even now I don't know how to give him the tools because I've learned to self-soothe. I've learned to have my own coping mechanisms, but I think that's the power of seeking out help is you, you get taught how to, um, yeah, to self-regulate, you know, to have those tools and, and recognize it before you end up projecting it on someone. And I think like also Hannah, I think that part of why a lot of women, um, you know, don't address mental health is, um, oh man, I was going to say something really good and I lost my train of thought, but I think it's like, they don't want to burden anyone with it. 
And mm. so they internalize it. But again, and I want to stress this to everyone who feels like they can handle their own mental health. It's like, you're doing a disservice to yourself and to your loved ones when you don't address it. Because again, you project it. And if you're, I know I said projection a lot. And if you don't know what projection, projection means, it means that you're kind of, I mean, and, and Hannah, you can add upon this as well, but it's like, you're, you're placing whatever you're going through internally on someone else um, and expecting them to maybe fix it or what have you. But it's like, whatever you're going through, you're using someone else as an outlet. And um, that is not healthy. <laughs> That's not healthy to any relationship. And unfortunately, mo- the average person doesn't have the tools to recognize that you're projecting. So then they take it personally and they feel responsible. They feel like it's their fault when you're really just trying to say, I'm sad and I just need you to sit here with me for a minute. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need you to fix anything. I just need you to know I'm sad and just hang out with me, watch a movie with me. I'll feel better before you know it. But mm-hmm. again, it's, it's those tools that are so important to have. I think that people, I think a lot of people need to realize that your mental health is your physical health because it shows up in your actions. <laughs> and so yeah. you need to, you need to take care of it. But anyway, that's my, that's my little spiel. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. And it, it sounds really simple when you say it, doesn't it? Of You know, being able to say to someone, I just need you to sit with me. I don't yeah. need you to fix it. But being able right. to say that, is is quite difficult and for the other person to be able to accept it and believe it because I think sometimes you have that the kind of classic how are you oh I'm fine but you're not and people can tell and that if you say oh I just I just need you to just sit with me not do anything kind of yeah is that is that true is that or am I supposed to be psychic and kind of come up with something else and still fix it but um yeah but yeah I think that's um really important I think also there's definitely I agree with the the burdening and not wanting to burden people but I think also um, particularly for women there can be this thing where we put everyone in before ourselves and so our self-care yeah. is like a that would be nice if yep. I could get to that exactly. <laughs> do that yep stuff so, because it's not important because maybe I've got family to look after or I've got work or I've got whatever but actually by taking that time to look after your mental health you can show up more for the people around you as well. And I think that's a, an important shift that people need to make. Yeah. Of It's not selfish, actually. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, and I, I want to add on that because I, I know that, I know that for someone hearing this um, for the first time, they're going to say like, yeah, that makes sense, but they won't implement it. <laughs> they won't, they won't say like, you know what? I do need the help because, you know, self-care, I can show up as my better self to other people and people understand that logically. But like, let me tell you, it's hard to, it's hard to, you have to like grow into that emotionally. Like you have to know in time that like your self-care is extremely important. And even though you know it in your head, a lot of times as women, um, and I think about my own cultural background where it was very collectivist, um, you know, the women were expected to be the matriarch and to be selfless. So I'm not just dealing with with me setting healthy boundaries, <laughs> but dealing with the generations before me who were, you know, they were culturally, you know, conditioned to put everyone else but themselves first. So, you know, for the first for the, if you're listening to this for the first time, or, you know, you know, logically that you should, you should, you should put yourself first. I understand how difficult it is emotionally to really accept that it's hard because after this conversation, after you listen to this and let's say your husband needs something from you, you drop everything for him. It's like, that's, that's like natural. That's like built in you. Right. And so you have to be aware emotionally where you're at when it comes to um, setting healthy boundaries and getting that. And that's why it's important also to uh, continue to get mental health um, help re- uh, consistently because just like, just like in building up muscle, you have to work at it. It's really hard. Like one of the biggest things I learned this year, Hannah, is I know I'm an introvert. I know that I'm an empath. I know that I'm a highly sensitive person. I'm just the kind of person that just likes to put everyone else first, but me. And and even when I started to put myself first a lot this year, I felt so guilty about it, like so guilty about it um, to the point where I was really tempted to self-harm. I was like, oh, if, I, if, I, if I'm going to put myself first and it, it affects, let's say, my husband and he's sad because I'm putting myself first, it's like I may not be responsible for his feelings, but I affected, like I was the cause of his feelings and, I, and therefore I should feel guilty for that. And so I had to learn to work through that guilt and, and work through those temptations um, and, you know, to get to a place where it's like, hey, it's okay to know like how you're affecting other people, but you shouldn't let that stop you from making your own decisions. And that is the hardest thing 
I think for someone who puts other people first, mainly women, to learn and embrace is that like, no, you don't have to be a martyr for your life. Like you are not built in this world to just be a martyr for other people and to be self-sacrificing. Like you deserve to be seen, be heard, be taken care of, to make space in this world. And when you do, you will find in time, you will begin to internalize that belief that um, you are doing a better service to other people when you put yourself first. So I, I, I just really wanted to elaborate on that because I know it's easy to say on the surface, like, put yourself first, self-care. But I, I get the journey to get to that place. And I'm still on that journey, you know, and that's why I want to share. I, I feel compelled to sharing that because it's so hard emotionally to get to that place. Yeah, thank you for adding that. And I, and I think that's the thing with a lot of the messages around mental health. Sometimes they sound so simple, yeah, but actually... Yeah they're really hard uh, to Mm -hmm. put in place and to do as you said and it can be a gradual shift and um and I know we mentioned or you mentioned about accessing support if you need it on an ongoing basis and I know you had a recommendation for people because accessing mental health support can be very difficult can be very costly so I don't know if you wanted to share Sure. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I think I want to start by saying if you have health insurance, look into your options because uh, I think a lot of times you'll probably have it in there. And, uh, you know, also do your research online to see if there's um, anything in particular that's tailored to you. Like, for example, um, the Trevor Project uh, supports the LGBTQ community, you know, and there's uh, an organization called TAPS. The website is TAPS dot org org and that's specifically for uh, gold star families like me who lost a family member while they're in service and they give uh, free counseling you know so know where you're at and and see if there's or already organizations that can support you um like even now like i'm actively going through couple couples counseling with my husband we are very fortunate to benefit from an organization called the cohen network where they provide uh, free counseling services for veterans of and their families. I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, we've been like, and it, it's not just, um, it's not low quality, it's high quality therapy services, you know, for us. And so, so I would say start by doing your research and, and know where you're at in life and know what your background is and see if there's any organizations that support that. In the meantime, I do want to share this resource that I absolutely love. I, I don't get paid to say this. I, this is how much I love it. Um, there's a website called sevencups.com and it's the number seven and then the word cups.com cups is in plural. Um, I do have like a, a referral link on there that, that I'll share that I have for you, Hannah. And that's just so that I know how many people benefited from me sharing the link. So that, like I said, I make no money from that at all. But what I love about uh, seven cups is we're a big texting culture nowadays. People are more comfortable texting, maybe emailing, you know, mainly direct, mainly direct messaging on Instagram and what have you. We're a big texting culture. And sometimes um, we just need a stranger to text. Sometimes we just need, you know, a stranger, someone outside of our network to hear us out. And one thing I love about Seven Cups is that they've made that possible for everyone all over the world. And so what they do is that um, they, they have a training program for uh, volunteers. They call them le- uh, listeners. You can volunteer your time to learn how to be a better listener (laughs) so that when someone goes on this platform, um, you can have the tools to listen to them and hear them out. So I have benefited from both sides. I have, I have interned with them to become a better listener. Obviously it's great for podcasting and it's overall just a great way to uh, have more empathy and, and learn what to say you know, when you're listening to people, because I think a lot of our, a lot of times uh, family and friends are quick to fix things. They're quick to give you solutions where sometimes um, you just need to ask the right questions to help that, that help that person come to their own conclusion. And so you get that kind of training on the listener side of seven cups, but then you also have a second account called member. You could be a member of seven cups and you can receive that help. And so you can actually find listeners from all over the world. You can narrow it down based on your preference. Like, you know, if you want to deal with weight management, if you are stuck in a rut and need to figure out how to get out of it, um, LGBTQ plus uh, IA, you know, all the letters, um, if you're looking to get that kind of support, like, like there are, there are listeners all over the, there are people, there are actually kind people all over the world, Hannah, on this, on this platform that want to help you and they want to listen to you and they want to validate you and help you 
you come to your own conclusions. Now, I will say that obviously, because it's volunteer based, you have to really like online dating, like dating apps are free. Like you have to kind of dig around and find those quality listeners. But I'll tell you, like right now, I, I have a listener where I could just vent about my relationships. I have a listener where I could talk about my professional goals. I have a listener where I could talk about my fitness goals. And, um, and the reason why it's like, you're probably asking, oh, why don't you talk to a therapist about this? Why don't you talk to your friends about this? And I say, because at least with my friends and my loved ones, it's like, I know that they only have so much time to listen to me. You know, it's like, I obviously I want to confide in them. I trust them. I love them, but they only have so much time. They have lives too. And it doesn't hurt to get an outside opinion um, because the best part of seven cups too, Hannah, is that it's completely anonymous. So you could really, really be honest with where you're at and what you're going through. So I highly recommend it. It's absolutely free. And uh, like I said, I encourage it for anyone who's just getting started and even just, you know, looking for like a pen pal, <laughs> looking for someone to just, you know, confide in. And so anyway, that's it. Seven cups. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've opened it up on another tab and I'm definitely <laughs> going to uh, check it out. Um, it sounds amazing. And I think there is something really powerful sometimes about that anonymity mm-hmm. of, and, and to also just being able to rant. And I'm lucky I've got some friends who can sort of say, I just need to rant. Is that okay? And, <laughs> just, yeah. and they know, and, and actually that's good. That's a, you know, if you're able to communicate to someone, this is kind of what I'm looking for from you. Just listen, listen to me rant. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to fix it. Or I want some ideas because I'm stuck that can be a really helpful thing. And yeah, so I, I, I do have some friends that I do that with, but also, yeah, having that, this person, they don't know me, they're never go, I'm never going to talk to them again, possibly. And that can really mm-hmm. help with that shame thing because they don't mm-hmm. know who I am. Exactly. Exactly. Now, again, you know, like I said, because it's free and it's, it's volunteer based, you will run into a lot of interesting people, but of course it's like, be, be mindful of that and do your research and connect, you know, keep connecting, keep quote unquote dating around on there until you find the right listener. And the listeners I love the most, um, because I have had like to move on from some listeners because of the way they were quick to fix my problems. The ones that I love the most are the ones that, um, kind of like paraphrase what I just said and then ask me follow-up questions. Like I absolutely love that because I know I'm capable of solving my own problems. I just need someone to hear me out. (laughs) And I kind of call this like your interactive diary. So if you already love typing, if you already love like all of that, like seven cups is a great platform. And again, it's free and it's anonymous. Like what do you have to lose? And I will, one more thing I will say about it um, is that if you actually do want to hire a therapist, a licensed therapist, they are on there and they are very affordable. So that's mm. the last thing I will say about Seven Cups. Yeah, amazing. Thank you for that. And yeah, I'd, I'd never heard of them and I, I love recommendations for things. Yeah. Around, so, so thank you for that. Um, My pleasure. So I have some set questions I ask everyone and I'd love to hear your thoughts on these. Yes. So my first one is what brings you joy in your life? Oh, wow. That's a deep, I feel like that's a loaded question, but I think what brings joy in my life um, two things. I think, um, just being like appreciating what I have in the present. I think presence is what a lot of people are learning right now, given the current times, um, and the pandemic is like, I think there's a, there's a meme that I saw that was really powerful. It said, I thought 2020 was the year where I would uh, get everything I wanted. Uh, but it turns out that this is the year that helped me appreciate what I already have. I thought that was so powerful. And so that's the first thing uh, that I think brings me joy is presence. And then the second thing that brings me joy, um, and, and this is in honor to my dad, actually, because part of what I felt like I lost from him was that undivided attention, was that emotional availability, was that affection of like, I am the most important person in the world. Like I felt like he gave that to me and I felt like I lost that when I lost him. And so um, a lot of my life has been, you know, trying to find that in, in a way. But what I had found in the recent years is that if I can give that, I can get that back in return. And so whenever I have a loved one or even anyone I interview, with any person I interact with, if they can tell, if they tell me like, like, wow, thank you for saying that. Like, I, I feel validated. I feel seen. I feel heard. I feel like I didn't mess up. Like I was just talking to a girlfriend yesterday because she was feeling really triggered about something. And at the end of it, she said like, thank you for telling me that I'm not crazy. You know, thank you for telling me that what, what I'm going through is valid. And if I could do that, I feel like that, that gives me so much, so much joy. Um, so much joy because it makes me feel like, like it, it's nice to know that I can provide that to people. 
And of course, at the same time, I feel like I'm honoring my dad because that's what he gave to me. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, And then my next question, and actually it's it's quite funny you said they're quite deep questions because I'm just thinking if other people see them as deep. And again, this gets into that perception that we all have different interpretations of stuff, which is (laughs) always super interesting. Um, And this is interesting because this one, sometimes people have similar answers, sometimes very different. So, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, the question is what makes life meaningful for you? Wow. I think what makes life meaningful for me um, goes back to really the second thing that I shared about what brings me joy. And it's when I can make people feel seen, heard, and validated because in return, I feel that way. It's like, oh, they see me because they recognize that I did something good for them. So I think that's what I find most meaningful in life is like knowing that I can make people feel that way and therefore make me feel that way. Yeah, that's awesome. So my next two questions kind of link into, and we've obviously been uh, kind of talking around uh, mental health and that's sort of the overarching topic of the podcast. So I have two questions around this. And the first is what does mental wellness mean to you? Wow. Uh, Mental wellness to me is like, physical wellness. I think going back to what we were saying earlier, it's like realizing that your mental health is part of your physical health. Overall, it's health. It's your overall health and well-being. And even though it's not tangible, in a way it is because it'll show up through your actions. It'll show up with how you treat people. And so I think mental wellness is uh, that um, is, is consistently being aware that it's there and doing something about it. I think that a lot of us kind of walk asleep in life and project a lot of hurt onto other people but we can stop that if we take care of our mental wellness Mm. yeah i definitely definitely (laughs) agree with that and it leads really nicely into the second part which is how you look after your own mental well-being oh yeah oh gosh i oh my god my I, i mean you know, at a young age, after I lost my dad, as I mentioned, I felt like I lost that um, affection, that emotional availability, that undivided attention. And um, through that, though, I found my best friend, which was myself, which was my inner child. And so I had to learn that with myself first. I had to kind of come up with this resolve inside of me that no matter what happens, I have me. And so whenever I come to a place where let's say I'm triggered, whatever, whatever I come to a place where I have a strong feeling, I check in with myself. I, I was fortunate to go through this uh, a coaching program where they taught you to interact with your inner child. And for me, my inner child is my, I call her by my full name. So my full name is actually Jennifer. That's my, my family is the only one that calls me Jennifer. Everyone else calls me Jen. So whenever I have a moment where I feel very strongly, you know, when that depression starts to come in, I check in with Jennifer. I say, hey, Jennifer, what's going on? And that's it. I kind of leave it open-ended and then I allow her to speak. And it took me a long time to really, it sounds weird. You know, I think for the first, like people hearing that for the first time to talk to your inner child is really weird. But again, I, I felt very fortunate to get the tools to talk to her and just let her be her and speak her mind. And I get so much wisdom from what she has to say. So I start there and then if anything, I, I have my other outlets. I, I journal, I go on seven cups, you know, I connect with my friends and, uh, and I really, I really try to focus on like after, after the internal work, I do try to lean in on the external resources, like I said. So yeah, the friends, seven cups, uh, whatever, and, and therapy. Um, I think all of that, it's all, it's all very important. And going back to the book Upward Spiral, the biggest thing is to have a sense of security is, or not security is to build a community around you. And, and I love that. That's what I do is like, once I'm done with the internal, I make sure I reach out to my community and whatever resources I have to work through the work through whatever mental funk I have at that time. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And I love the inner child. Um, yeah, that's great. I've got paint on my arm actually because my inner child was painting earlier. <laughs> so, I love it. But yeah, it was good I fun. Love it. Yeah. Uh, so my next question is um, a bit of a challenge often. Can you describe your mindset? Can I describe my mindset? Wow. Um, yeah, I think I can. My mindset focuses on presence. Like right now, I just want to take this moment to, again, thank you for the opportunity to be on the show and have this conversation. Um, and I think like mindset, it goes back to mental wellness. It goes back to 
I, yeah, it goes back to mental wellness and um, being very self-aware of who you are. Um, because if you can master your mindset, if you can master presence, you could really reframe your situation. Like if you're in and reframing, if people are hearing that for the first time, it means that you, you tell yourself a different story about the situation that you're in. So let's say for example, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, like, Oh, we're in this pandemic right now. This is awful. Like all the opportunities I thought I had like gone. Right. Or I could reframe it and say, Oh, okay. Well now is an opportunity to reflect and pivot and see what, else can what else am i capable of right so that's like an example of reframing is rather than feeling stuck you you retell yourself a story of the situation in a way that better serves you so i think that's that's like the power of understanding mindset um yeah i think that's it <laughs> i don't know what else to yeah. say about that that's a that's a good question i was like what yeah <laughs> yeah it's always fun and and again with all these questions people come up with all kinds of things um which makes it really interesting and uh you know for for listeners if they've never kind of thought how would i describe my my mindset i'd encourage you to have a go because it's quite it's quite interesting yeah. it's a question we often don't don't ask ourselves so, yeah for sure yeah so my penultimate question for you uh, we like to give people practical ideas of tips of things that they can try. So I ask everyone that joins us if they can leave us with between one and three top tips of things that you would recommend that we give a go in our life that might have a big impact. So do you have a top one to three things? Wow. Uh, definitely podcasting. I think everyone should do podcasting. Um, don't do it for the viewership or the downloads. Do it for your own self-discovery through other people's stories. And, and there's so many benefits of podcasting. It goes back to like why I promoted Seven Cups is like you learn empathy, you learn active listening skills, you learn to be present with someone. I think everyone should do it. It's too easy and too accessible today. And also because your voice matters. I could be saying the same things Hannah says, but if I'm not Hannah, like it's not going to resonate, you know? And so sometimes it requires, even though it's like a same message, it may, it may land on someone differently because it's you. So I think podcasting is what I think everyone should do, especially in a time like this. <laughs> um, I think the second thing I would recommend people to do, huh, that's a good question. I have to really think about that. Um, the second thing I would do is, I mean, um, get therapy if you haven't already, just try it. <laughs> like just, if you haven't done it yet, like look in your health, look into your health insurance or look at the resources that I mentioned earlier that are available to you. Um, or even just try the free resource of, uh, seven cups and just try it, like give yourself a chance. Um, it's going to be uncomfortable. You're probably going to be defensive. You're probably going to be stubborn, but if you give it a chance, you may be surprised at, what you'll learn about yourself. And one thing, one tip I want to give you is to look at these professionals that interact with you. Not, don't look at them exactly. Look at them as a mirror to you. Because what all they're trying to do, especially professionals, all they're trying to do is to place this mirror in front of you to help you better understand yourself. And so that's what I would go in there whenever you interact with anyone. Even if anyone makes you angry, think of why did that person make me angry? You know? So anyway, that's a little tip on that. And then the third thing I think people should try, and this is like actually really random, but to uh, have post-its of affirmations around an area where you spend a lot of time. So for example, that's my desk. And you can't see this on my camera, right? You can't see this right now, but I literally have post-its all around my laptop or on my computer. Um, like some examples I have here. So here's a good reminder for em empaths. So if you are an empath and, and someone is, is sharing their feelings with you, Focus on observing what they're saying rather than absorbing what they're saying. So I have, I literally have that down here. And, and now when I interact with people, I think of that. I don't try to internalize it. I don't try to take it personally. I just observe it like a cloud coming by, you know, it's like, oh, it's a cloud and that's all that is. And it's not, it's, I'm not responsible for that cloud. <laughs> There's that. And uh, yeah, just all these post-its around here that are really affirming for me. Like I remind myself to breathe and to meditate or, you know, even stretch like when I'm done with an interview, like ap after this, for example. And um, I think everyone should try that because it's like, it, it's a, it's a mirror in your, it's a mirror to your mind. You know, it's reminding you to like, keep up with, especially for entrepreneurs that do work 
uh, remotely or work on the computer. I mean, everyone really at this point, since we're all working from home, but consider having post-its around your desk and around the area you spend the most and, and let those be very positive messages or reminders to you. So that is the third thing I would share. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. And I don't know if you saw when you said the affirmations, I looked this way because I had some here. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Falling down. But I also <laughs> have, and, and this is lovely, and these are a really nice boost, like for a friend as well. I have a few of these little postcard like pictures with a little affirmation that my friend has sent me before and, and they're put up. And it's a really nice, just Aww. thoughtful thing that she sent me in there around my desk. So it's a nice, easy it. way of kind of giving someone a, a random boost, send them a nice affirmation that they kind of. Yeah, but yeah, no, I love those. So thank you for, for yeah, sharing Yeah, my those. pleasure. I didn't know I was going to say all that. So thank you for, for asking that question because it, yeah. it prompted me to, to come up with things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that brings me to, to my very last question, which is where people can connect with you online. And I know you mentioned uh, the, that you've got several podcasts that you host. If people want to listen yeah. to one, all of your podcasts, where can they find you? You know, I would say that um, if you want to find all my social media links, um, just check out my new podcast show. I'm actually about to finish season one and I might be on break for a while by the time this comes out. But if you go to genericpodcast.com, so generic, it's not, it doesn't start with a G like the word uh, generic. It actually starts with a J as in my name. So genericpodcast.com. If you go to that website or if you go to that website on the top right, you'll see all my personal social media links and you'll see my bio at the bottom. But yeah, like feel free to connect with me um find my links there my favorite place of communication nowadays has been on my personal instagram account which is the jen amos that's t-h-e-j-e-n-a-m-o-s and um I, I just, I don't know. It's my favorite place nowadays. It's like, if anyone wants to publicly reach out to me or like reach out to me, like they can reach out to me in that it's public and you can direct message me and, you know, maybe I'll give you my number. We'll see, but we still, let's start there. <laughs> so awesome. Thank you. And we'll absolutely link in the show notes, um, you know, to them and to the, the project, um, that you mentioned as well and to seven cups so we put all that in the show notes yeah awesome actually yeah. do you mind if i share one more thing yeah, um, I, I forgot that i have a google voice number so it's me uh, setting healthy boundaries so if you want to text me you know if you if you want to send me a text message oh excuse me um my phone number is 619 actually i know this is an american number but so the the for the u.s number it's number one so plus one six one nine 621-8766. So that's 619-621-8766. And the, the first number at the beginning is number one for the United States. Um, I, I hope that goes through, but yeah, you can text me just, you know, you can text me and we can interact in that way. Um, I'd love to connect with you. Awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. I don't know what Google voice, Google voice is, but that sounds yeah, it's just a, it's an extra number. It's kind of like if okay. you don't want to give your real number, it helps mask your actual number. Yeah. It's good. And healthy boundaries are always really important. <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, so that's, <laughs> that's a, a yeah. great, uh, maybe a great suggestion for other people if you're interested in the sort of uh, talking and listening and supporting, having that extra yeah. protection, that extra boundary so you can separate from it and all of yeah. that. But, yeah, thank you so much, Jen, uh, for joining me. I love speaking with you. We've gone kind of not where I expected we would go, but I've loved it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Yeah, thank you, Hannah, again, for the opportunity and to just have an open dialogue and be present with each other. I think um, that's where the best conversations and ideas and wisdom comes out of. So thank you again for this opportunity and creating this yeah. space for us. Yeah, you're very welcome. So thanks again to Jen for joining us and I am not going to talk long because I am heading out for a run and this is something I think I've mentioned over the past few weeks and something last year I sort of talked about wanting to start running didn't do anything um, but this year I started couch to 5k and I am just heading out after this for my final run of week six and I'm running 25 minutes and so last week I had a 20 minute run, 20 minutes uninterrupted, which was the first like full long uninterrupted run. This one is 25 minutes, which obviously is longer, but going into next week, there is no more walk running. It's just running um, and building up that time. And there's something that I was thinking about this week was the, and I guess this ties to this idea of stories, but also this idea of labels and kind of how we talk about ourselves and how we identify ourselves and label ourselves so 
I've often said, I've said it on the show, <laughs> I've been saying recently that I'm not a runner. I'm not a runner. I don't run. I'm not a runner. And I said this um, again this week and I was thinking, well, what makes someone a runner? <laughs> because actually I'm in my sixth week, sixth week of running three times a week. Today I'm going to be running for 25 minutes. And as of that, after that, I will be running three times a week for at least 25 minutes. Um, I've been doing it consistently. I'm running. Like, at what point do I become a runner? Is it that I run a race? Is it that I'm just doing it? And it and it really kind of struck me that that idea of not being a runner is something that I'd sort of held on to. I identified with. It wasn't for me. It wasn't, you know. And actually, I'm. I wouldn't say that I love running, but I. I'm enjoying that commitment I've made to myself. It's become a non-negotiable that I will do my three runs a week. Um, I think it helps that I'm quite competitive myself. And also I've got a bullet journal. And so I've drawn out my running plan and I want to be able to cross out that I've done those runs. Um, I've also, obviously, I, I think got into the routine that I've then thought, well, maybe, and this is something I talked about before, that kind of, well, what is the sort of limit of what's possible? Um, and so after I finish Couch to 5K, it's a nine-week program. I'm then just kind of carrying on with the, the new training program and kind of continuing running. So, yeah, does this mean I'm a runner? At what point do you go from not a runner to a runner? Um, who knows? And in the, I guess, spirit of reflecting, maybe it's an opportunity for yourself to check in with some of those stories that you hold about yourself some of those labels you use or don't use about yourself a runner or an author an artist uh, whatever it may be and and just reflecting on them I guess uh, who says you're not that thing or you can't who says you can't be that thing or or why you see yourself as that thing or not as that thing um, I think it's an interesting activity to kind of check in on ourselves and our stories and what we're calling ourselves and I know some people talk about labels um and that they can limit what's possible for us which I absolutely agree with but at the same time I'm not anti-label because I think in some situations and I think in particular my time um and this is something we maybe talk about at some point and another show about neurodiversity my own experiences with that but in a professional setting, actually, for some people getting a particular label, if it can explain their experience, can be really helpful. And actually, in this conversation with Jen, when we talked about depression and actually seeing that and kind of going, oh, there is a reason for my experience. There's there's a name for it. And that means that it's not just me. It means that I can get help. It means that there's support. I think in that way sometimes they can be helpful but I think it's useful to check in and think am I holding too tightly to this label that actually it's holding me back how is it serving me basically so I would encourage you to to check in with yourself I think it's always good to check in with how we're doing what we're thinking what we're feeling all of that uh, jazz so have a go at that and the last thing I'm going to mention uh, yesterday we published a new blog post for the week on the blog the blog is up and running with um at least two blog posts every month I've mentioned before that Leanne Matthews is a new voice on the blog and I'm also sharing my thoughts on the blog and as it's Valentine's week Leanne has written a blog post for us about Valentine's Day and about yeah her thoughts on that and about whether you're in a relationship or not, kind of that, showing that love to yourself. So um, check that out. Uh, have a good week and we will be back on Monday with another episode. As always, please do rate, review and share if you've enjoyed this episode. Let us know what you liked about it, your key takeaway. We love to hear what you think. We love to hear your feedback and we'll be back, as I said, on Monday. So take care of yourself, be kind to yourself and I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.